Hello, hello. This is Kim Addis, and I am the president of Frame of Mind Coaching, and I want to welcome you to the Frame of Mind Coaching podcast. Today, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you someone who's stepped up and asked for a conversation that sounds like a coaching conversation. His name is Frank Chinchuli. Did I say it right, Frank? You did. Good job. And he is from the Wish Group. Now, here's the very interesting thing. Frank is a very, very accomplished gentleman. He's uh, run many companies and he's in a position right now where he helps entrepreneurs grow and build their companies. And Frank, I'll let you talk for yourself in a second. But typically, he's in the position of a coach. So I am honored to be on this side of the screen. So Frank, welcome. Thanks. uh, Thanks for having me, Kim. So tell us a little bit about what is the Wish Group? What do you do? Who do you do it with? And tell us a little bit about your background. Awesome. Well, um, so the Wish Group is my Holdco, and uh, ultimately it uh, uh, owns all of the operating businesses. Um, I believe there's somewhere in, in the neighborhood of about a dozen uh, dozen companies or so, okay. uh, mainly three, four industries. So uh, telecom or collaboration specifically uh, was our first business, and, and we're... Uh, Still very, uh, very heavily into that. We're the, the nation's largest uh, B2B uh, webcaster and I think second largest collaboration company next to Bell Canada. Uh, we're also in the staffing uh, business. We're probably going to the largest um, private, uh, privately owned uh, staffing company in Canada, various different agencies, as well as uh, we're in digital marketing, wireless, um, different niche telecom products and media, a little bit of tech as well. Okay. Okay. And are these all owned by you or are they co-owned? How does that work? No, so yeah. So how we work the uh, the business model is obviously the Wish Group's the Hold Co. And then we've got a lot of centralized services in there. So finance, uh, operations, IT, um, marketing, although now we own our own agencies. But um, ultimately, we've either made investments or co-founded uh, or just we own the businesses and given management uh, equity. So it's a combination of all those of all those things. But we're I wouldn't call ourselves a BC. Uh, I wouldn't even call it an incubator. We just like to operate businesses. We just we just happen to like when our when the president and and or and or management teams are are partners and owners with us. Okay, so so, so we kind of uh, came together, and you said, "Yeah, I have a little bit of a challenge." Do you want to describe what it is that you're experiencing? Well, I mean, the nature of of what I do um, is that you know I'm I'm. I wouldn't call it overseeing or managing necessarily, but um, I'm, I like to use the word coaching, uh, even though my operators are very strong and been with, been with me or working with me for some, some as much as almost 20 years. Um, these are proven operators. Um, so a lot of times it's not so much a coach, it's just a sounding board or maybe mm-hmm. a psychiatrist sometimes because they're the ones who operate. They're inside the business still. Um, you know, I'm away often, you know, I'm a snowbird out of the Miami six months of the year. So I'm really only physically uh, in a location where I might go into an office three to four months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a lot of space and room to grow. The difference, though, from when I was operating a company and I had a management team um, versus actually coaching or, or managing the actual entrepreneur or business operator, the actual president, is totally different. Leading leaders, especially leading entrepreneurs, is a completely different skill set uh, from my perspectives. And, and it presents a different level of challenges. 
because you have to respect the fact that they're the ones in the trenches doing the work. So it's only so there's only so much coaching I can do when I'm laying on the beach <laughs> and they're in the front lines of battle. It's it's there's some nuances there make it make it challenging at times, but it's exciting. So so what are some of the places where you get stuck or kind of like a little bit trapped in coaching leaders or what are some of the challenges they have that you're like how do I move these guys forward or these women forward? Yeah. Um, so I think when, when, you know, I obviously I'm not intimate uh, in the operations of the business as much as they are They're in, you know, they're in the, they're in the thick of things. Um, so oftentimes I find my coaching can, uh, can be just, I wouldn't say generic or, or some, or, or something that they would get from, you know, just maybe an outsider, or third party coach, but there, there really is only so deep I can go at, at, at times. So I think I have to just understand where I draw the line between um, giving them direct feedback on how I think they should handle something versus really just under, just listening. Maybe, maybe they know the answer. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're actually in my sweet spot. So I'm super excited to be having this conversation. Good, good. And I want to start off with a little bit of a story. I have a very good friend. Um, who grew his business, sold it, did fantastic for himself. And now he's actually coaching entrepreneurs. And we meet up every once in a while. Well, you know, without COVID, we would have breakfast together. And we would talk about his, uh, his clients and the people he's coaching. And he would say, but I don't understand. Like, it's very clear they need to do X, Y, and Z. And they're not doing it. And I get very, very frustrated. And I don't understand. Like, you know, I give them specific things they need to do before we meet again. And then when we meet again, those things aren't done. Mm -hmm. And he said, and I really, really get frustrated. Like, I'm not even sure if this coaching thing is for me. (laughs) Right. And, um, I like in essence, I just wish they would do what I tell them to do. And cause I know it's going to work. I have the experience. I have the background. And, and literally we sat down with a piece of paper and a pen and I said, let me explain to you what's actually at play here. And so entrepreneurs by their very nature are kind of lone rangers in their, in their DNA. Right. So like, and that works for them and against them. And what I mean by that is they have great ideas. They are motivated. They are inspired. They're hardworking. They put in the time, they put in the hours, they roll up their sleeves, et cetera. But for every leader, every leader, experiences at one point in their lives a bottleneck or a barrier and that has nothing to do with the actions they are supposed to take it has to do with their thinking and their beliefs and that is the thing that prevents them from executing that is the thing that gets in their way Mm -hmm. and as coaches that's the place we need to go to Mm -hmm. so very often we can give instruction and we don't understand why they're not executing yeah. And the reason they're not executing is because that they have because they have a dialogue in their heads consciously or unconsciously that says I don't have enough time, this isn't my priority, I have mm-hmm. fires I need to put out, all that chatter, all those other reasons, let's call them even excuses. Yeah. Right? Those are the things that are interfering with their ability to really hear you and put your ideas or your recommendations, your guidance into action. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with that hundred percent. So um, in that, yeah, that's, and that's where when you get into that coaching, even if I were to go down that path, 
this is where it gets tricky because a prophet's usually not welcome in his own land, right? So uh, if I'm asked to go speak somewhere or I'm uh, asked to go coach one of my friend's companies, you know, uh, you know, they're rolling up the red carpet and I can't even get out of there because they won't let, they're hanging on every word. But in my own company, it's, it's different. Right. Uh, the message isn't received. Therefore, we need people like you, right? So, well, you need people like me, yes. But, but sure, I'd love to, to kind of help you. No problem there. But the question is, can you step in? And what, are the, what is the process that you need to engage in in order for you not to be the prophet, actually? Mm-hmm. Instead, for you to be the facilitator so that your leaders gain insight on how their thinking is trapping them, mm-hmm. on how their beliefs are getting in the way as opposed to strategy and execution, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when you say I'm not in the land, you know, I'm not, you know, yeah. on the day-to-day in their operations, that's not where they're struggling. They're struggling in a place where they're not even aware they're struggling. It's, mm-hmm. it's the place of beliefs. So the question becomes, how do you help them identify and surface the beliefs that are actually trapping them? That's your job as a coach. Mm. And most leaders don't understand that. So my passion, one of my things that I commit myself to is not only coaching leaders, but helping leaders learn how to coach their team. Mm. So if you want, we can go through five easy steps. Okay. Do that effectively. Are you ready? Absolutely. Are you taking notes? Uh, Well, (laughs) take notes. And whoever's listening, if you're in the same boat where you're trying to get your leaders to perform at a much, much higher level, understand that it's their thinking that is stopping them from performance. It's very, very rarely skill set or desire. It's usually a set of beliefs that's interfering with their ability to take the actions you're asking them to take. So step number one is when we coach anybody, very often we have a relationship with them to begin with. And we have an ideology of who they are and what they're about and what, you know, we have a story we tell about that person. If you're a parent, you can relate to this. And if you have kids, we have stories we tell about, about our kids. Before we step into coaching, we have to suspend those stories. We can't assume we know what's going on. We can't say, well, I know this guy, I know what's really happening. And we have to take that and put it aside before we step into the conversation. So the first and most important step about coaching is clean up your own head. Don't think you know what's going on. Don't assume you know exactly the problem. Don't even assume you have an answer. What you need to do is go in seeking information. So step one, check your story at the door. Step number two is get their story. What does that mean? Ask them what's happening, what's going on hear their story. And they'll tell you, well, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm working on. Here's the priority, etc. But usually when you hear a story, you hear like this much of a story. And so step number three is to dig under the story. And that means get a much, much more well-rounded picture of the story. You want more detail. You want the who, what, where, when, how. You want all the detail. And the purpose of that exercise is step number four, to uncover the beliefs. Understand how they're thinking about whatever challenge they are having that's causing the problem. So in your case, the challenge is, hey, I wish my leaders would just do as I say, right? And the issue is that they want to do as you say, but there's something in the way. 
So the moment you realize that there's something in the way is the moment you start to say, okay, so I have to play this out a little bit differently, right? So the belief is, you know, they're resistant or they don't want to, or they're, you know, not skilled enough or whatever that is. We're replacing that with there's something getting in their way. And your job is not to kind of try to push your strategy, but to identify what's getting in their way instead. I'm hoping this makes sense. It does. Yeah. And so the the step number five is beyond identifying their beliefs, it's challenging their beliefs. Mm -hmm. So when they say this is their priority and your mind, you're like, well, that's not really the priority. You might say, well, let's talk about that. Do you believe that if we pursue this, then this will be the outcome? And then they might say, well, maybe not. Or maybe they'll say, yes, if I don't take care of this, the whole company will fall apart. And now you're talking about the real issues, which are, let's look at the beliefs that you have that are causing you to take the actions that you want to take. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing, you know, and I, and I say this often, there are three mistakes that leaders make when they try to coach their team members. Number one is that they jump to solutions. So if you're the leader and you're trying to coach someone, you often want to just go in and say, hey, just do this. Mm. Here's the solution. I know, been there, done that, can see very clearly, I'm smart, here, just do this. We want to stop doing that. The second thing we want to do is um, leaders tend to try to change behaviors. Okay, so, hey, I see you're doing this and I just really want you to do this instead. We want you to change your behavior because I know that if you change your behavior, you'll get the outcomes you want. But what I want to teach leaders is that behavior follows belief. So if you just try to change behavior, you get short-term change. It's not sustainable. And it's kind of like approaching a dog and saying to the dog, hey, you know, in your mind, I want the dog to wag his tail. So I'm going to grab his tail and shake it. Right. That's not how we get a dog to wag his tail. Similarly, in order to get a leader to change sustainably, we need to address his beliefs or her beliefs. And number three, you're going to be a little bit shocked at this. Leaders fall into a trap often, and I don't know if you're that leader, but they feel a high sense of empathy. And that's a mistake. Hmm. I see your eyebrows going up, right? So, so why is that a mistake? Well, let's just define empathy for one quick minute. What is empathy? Empathy is literally, it's an emotional experience where you put yourself in the shoes of someone else and feel their emotional state. Okay. Okay. So it's not an intellectual activity. It's not understanding what somebody else is feeling. It's not acknowledging what somebody else is feeling. It's feeling what they're feeling. So imagine you're walking by and you see someone drowning in a pool. How are they feeling? What do you think? Well, probably fear, panic. Fear, panic, pain, all those things. So if suddenly I become empathetic and I feel those feelings immediately, instantly, I have disabled myself from actually being able to help them. What I've effectively done is I've jumped in the pool and started drowning right beside them. Mm. So in order for me to be an effective coach, empathy plays tricks with me. It disturbs my vision. It disables me from being able to see them safely outside of the pool. So what I need to do is notice they're drowning, have a high level of compassion, 
but I need to be able to stand safely on the side of the pool and strongly lean in and pull them out mm. without getting distracted, sorry, distracted by their drowning. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. So I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you here. <laughs> I want to pause any reactions, reflections. Have I redirected your coaching at all? Yeah, I know it's interesting because you reminded me of some work I've done in the past, but it's like I've never actually applied it uh, to, to my coaching, which is interesting. So, that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, obviously. So very often we see people like you who are high achievers, who have accomplished a lot, yeah. and, they, and they like speed. They want to move quickly, and they skip all this stuff, the underlying stuff. Yeah. When you say, I'm at the beach and I can't go deep, yeah. I would challenge that. You can no, absolutely go deep, even so if you're at easy the beach. with the process too. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> any questions? Uh, no, but that, that was just a really good reminder because it's. I mean, I think things that you've mentioned are not things I haven't learned in the past, but good refresher because that's like, oh man, missing that step, important step. Yes. <laughs> now, now I'm getting out now. Now, obviously, uh, uh, I'm reliving some experiences, thinking, oh man. If I would have, if I would have tweaked my approach, I might have got a much different outcome. So, uh, two things. Number one is you said, you know, maybe I should just listen more, and yeah, that's a good thing. But listen with the intention of understanding the beliefs that are getting in someone's way. Yeah. Right, and ask questions. Like, spend time on that. So, so let me ask you a question because yeah. I think you know, from I, I wouldn't say I'm not doing any of this, like because I, th I do realize that. Okay, I'm trying to change the behavior, but I do realize the belief system's wrong. And, and maybe, and so I always feel, or I maybe get defensive because it's like, okay, maybe you know other serial entrepreneurs that have been very successful, but I'm the one you're working with. And I, I know that this works. And I also work with other entrepreneurs and I'm part of entrepreneurs, you know, anyway. So I, I get defensive with them. Or so I think my attempts at changing their belief system are met with resistance. Maybe can you give me a tip on how? you work through a process of changing someone's belief system? Yes. So one of the things that we want to do first is identify their beliefs. Like, so you need to pull it out. And how we pull it out is we say, hey, do you believe that some of your leaders are resistant to your ideas? And Correct. I'm asking you, right? Yeah. So I just threw out a belief. I put it on the table and it's up to you to say yes or no. Okay. So that's okay. your job as a coach is, hey, is this what you believe? Okay. Okay, so then I might ask some other questions. So why do they partner up with you? Like, why, why did they buy into this yeah. arrangement? And we might kind of like push back on the belief that they don't want to hear you, right? Mm -hmm. So we might challenge that. But more than that, we might want to say, hey, what's your goal for these leaders? Mm -hmm. And that belief doesn't match with your goal. So yeah. your goal for them is to be independent, to make great decisions, yeah. to fail to get back up, to fail yeah. and get back up, and on and on and on, and to really be their partners. So when you get aggravated that they're independent and they're making decisions on their own and they're not doing what you say, right? That doesn't match with your goals. And so we might say, so how is it that we can achieve your goals when you realize that your behaviors and beliefs don't match with the outcome you're lo you're looking for? Mm -hmm. and then they're like, wow. That's true, yeah. right? It doesn't match. I think another challenge I'm facing, and this is kind of helping me realize, is that you know I really shouldn't be looking to try and create other me's or other Franks necessarily. I want to I want to create the success, uh, but I don't necessarily want a bunch of Franks. That would be a nightmare, actually. <laughs> yes, um, but 
but maybe some of their independent mindedness is another Frank. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, would you go along and follow anybody else? Probably not. No. And, and often I think the reason why I have been generally successful in this model, because I, I, I think a lot of other entrepreneurs have tried to do this, like, okay, started a company, sold it for a bunch of dough and then just have other companies and, and coach other guys. But it doesn't work, you know, egos get in the way or just like you're saying, even people, even people are just co- coaching as opposed to owning uh, the business, but um, you just rub the guys the wrong way. So, so what I, in my first venture, I had, you know, I had partners and great partnership, not say it wasn't great, but I, I learned a lot about what to do by, by being in the experience and realizing that, okay, I'm not doing that again. Um yeah, so, and that has to be because I realized the that the guy who's someone who the guy or the person who's in the front lines uh, doing all the physical labor, uh, you know, you got to be careful how you how you put how you motivate that person. Yes, and you can't motivate anybody. No, they need no, to be exactly. motivated internally. Make sure you don't, just get out of the way. Don't demotivate. <laughs> yes, and and I will throw one more thing, and it's not a mistake that leaders make, but uh, it's it's um it's a thing where leaders often aren't very skilled at it, and they need a great deal of practice is to see, in your case, your leader in the best light and constantly show that to them. Yeah. Hold up a mirror of their success, of their brilliance, of their capacity. Because you know when you are on the front lines, it's easy to see the other side. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to beat yourself up. Yeah. It's easy to feel... Uh, self-doubt, it's easy to do all that. And when there's somebody else beating you up saying, hey, you're not doing what I tell you to do, that gets even darker, Mm -hmm. right? So when their light is dim, you need to shine the light and say, hey, look at yourself. You're capable. You're great, Mm -hmm. right? And and we don't do that very well as leaders because we're looking at those results. But you can't have success in a leader who feels terrible about themselves. Yeah. 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 But so one more uh, kind of piece of advice is take those five steps okay. and keep them in your drawer or your, your bathing suit pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you have a conversation and just pull it up before the conversation and just remember, oh yes, my goal is to pull out the beliefs. Yeah. And that kind of helps you to calibrate yourself before all conversations. Wow. Not what you expected, right? I got a lot more out of this than I thought. Tremendous. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm so thankful that you decided to join us. How do people find you if they want to learn more about you? Um, well, either just Google Frank Chinchilli or Wish Group. You think and, Frank Chinchilli is eagle to, easy to Google? I mean, spelling uh, it is a whole well, is I'm the only adventure. one, I think, on the globe, so that helps. <laughs> spell it. Spell it, because it's not the, intuitive. No, I know. C-I-A-N-C-I-U-L-L-I. And Wish Group is always the, the best way to. So Wish Group. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. And for those of you who are listening, if you have a challenge that you are facing and you would like to join me as a guest on the co- on on this podcast, please reach out to me. It's Kim at FrameOfMindCoaching.com. And if you have a challenge that you don't want to discuss on a podcast, but you do need help with, reach out to me anyway. Again, it's Kim at FrameOfMindCoaching.com. Frank, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. Same here. You're welcome. Thank you as well.